0: everybody, welcome to another episode of The Dynasty Underground, that's at D-Y-N-O Underground on Twitter. I'm your host, Derek Womack, and today we are going to be talking about some of my favorite uh, buys and sells for Dynasty um, and before you know, sort of the start of the 2020 season. And... <clears throat> I'm just going to go ahead and jump right into it. My number one buy for this offseason didn't start out as a buy. He started out this offseason as a sell, but it turns out he's kind of a sell for everybody right now. And to me, (laughs) that makes him a buy. and It's Julio Jones. Now, it sounds counterintuitive, counterintuitive kind of to, you know, try to go out in Dynasty and acquire a 31-year-old wide receiver. But, I mean, he's not just any 31 wide year old, 31-year-old wide receiver, right? I mean, it's, it's Julio Jones we're talking about. It's one of the all-time great fantasy producers at the position. And I kind of said something to, I didn't realize that Julio Jones could be a buy um, until I was kind of talking to a friend of mine about it, and I said something in passing that I really didn't think much about until, you know, a while after the conversation. We were talking about Julio's value in dynasty. And I just kind of off the top of my head said, you know, maybe he could be the next Larry Fitzgerald and play till his late thirties. I mean, probably not, but maybe. And then I got to thinking, you know, he's been, I mean, he was pushing for a contract extension at this time last year at 30 years old, I think. He has every intention of playing till he's at least, what, 35. And if there's anybody in the league right now that can produce solid fantasy numbers up to his age 35 season, it's Julio Jones. We just saw um, Julian Edelman produce, I think, a top 12 fantasy football season in full PPR leagues, right? And he's 34 years old. Now, nobody would ever mistake the best of Julian Edelman for the worst of Julio Jones, right? So, if not only can Julian Edelman do it at, what, 33, 34 years old, Julio Jones has the type of game that can age well. I get that he is a little bit of the old school alpha wide receiver. He can bully you but he's also an incredibly nuanced route runner. He's got so much athleticism that even if it fades a little bit, he's still not going to be worse than the other athletes on the field. He's probably just going to be more on their level. And like I said, he's just such a nuanced, such a technical route runner that he, I mean, it's not going to surprise me if he is putting up, Much better numbers than Larry, than even Larry Fitzgerald is when he gets to Larry Fitzgerald's age. So I'm not projecting him to be, you know, a successful fantasy producer for the next six years, but it could happen. And it wouldn't really even surprise that many people if it did. So when everybody's selling, it gives you an opportunity to buy. And uh, let's look at the near future, right? Especially if you're a contender. If you're a contender, contender, and you've got some assets, I am telling you, like a hard, a hard recommendation, to go get Julio Jones. This dude is a top ten wide receiver every single year. And so I haven't. I know this has gotten me gotten me in a little bit of a, tr- a little bit of trouble in the past. Um, but I haven't vetted this stat out myself. Um, but I believe I heard Evan Silva say that the Falcons have the most vacated targets as a team from 2019 to 2020. Okay. Austin Hooper is gone. Devontae Freeman's gone. Um, it's basically I know they brought in Hayden Hurst and Todd Gurley, but as far as as far as the downfield passing game and proven assets, it's Julio Jones and it's Calvin Ridley. I mean, we are looking at the 2020 version likely of um Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Only Matt Ryan's not going to throw 30 interceptions. Julio Jones, it's not going to surprise me at all if julio jones finishes 2020 as the number one overall wide receiver and i know everybody is fully aware that julio jones is quote unquote not a touchdown scorer and i fully realize recognize that he hasn't been but it's set up for him in 2020 who else is going to catch touchdowns hayden hurst maybe i mean We don't know. Maybe. Russell Gage? Probably not. Todd Gurley? Sure, he can catch a few. Calvin Ridley? I'm sure he'll catch a few. Julio Jones has every opportunity to set the world on fire in 2020. And the fact that everybody is selling, and I get wanting to sell, right? He's 31 years old. You don't want to... You know, look, you don't want to be three years down the road. Maybe his production has, you know, declined quite a bit. Um, And now you're left holding the bag and you're wishing you would have sold him earlier. But, I mean, we're not talking about... like, Like I said, we just saw Julian Edelman put up a wide receiver one season. At 34 years old. And this is Julian we're talking about. I get that he's a good wide receiver. But he's not Julio Jones. Julio Jones is one of the best wide receivers. We've ever seen play the game. He's still playing at an elite level. When everybody is selling. A player like that. And ignoring the opportunity. Not only ignoring his talent. And ignoring his potential longevity. But ignoring The immediate opportunity in 2020 to just completely obliterate in fantasy points, he turns into a screaming buy. He's my number, like, and I don't really have these guys listed in order, but Julio Jones is by far and away my number one buy. Now, he has to be obviously the right owner if he's, you know, if he's, if you're in a league and the Julio Jones owner is thinking like me, you're not going to be able to get him. I promise you, you will not be able to get him. Um, Especially if it's on a team that, you know, looks to contend for a championship. Because, I mean, I'm not going to get on these airwaves and say this is the year Julio Jones, you know, pieces the yardage and the touchdowns together. But if there was ever going to be a year to bet on, I would say... This one might be the best. I'm um, going to bring me to my next guy in Michael Gallup. And I've kind of made the case for Michael, Michael Gallup, right? I mean, as soon as Dallas drafted CD Lamb, a lot of people are, you know, kind of wanted to write Michael Gallup off. And like I said, I've made the case a little bit. I'm kind of projecting the 2020 Dallas Cowboys to be very similar to the 2018. Los Angeles Rams. I think there's going to be plenty of work to go around. Um, they're not going to throw to Ezekiel Elliott as much as the Rams threw to Todd Gurley. They don't have a tight end of consequence. Um, Blake Jarwin, I know, is going to be a fun sleeper for people. I don't know. We'll see. But I tend to I mean, we don't have to wait and see with Michael Gallup, right? The dude had a thousand yard receiving season last year. Um On a points-per-game basis, his last 16 games is right on par with Amari Cooper's points-per-game basis in his last 16 games. And as soon as Dallas drafted C.D. Lamb, his value dropped pretty significantly. And to me, that presents a a pretty juicy buying opportunity. Number three for me. I mean, and I'm I'm numbering these, but these aren't actually in order except for Julio Jones. Uh, but my third guy I have on my list is Brandon Cooks. I've seen him going for middle second round rookie picks. Um, I mean, people are just trying to offload this guy. If you can get him for a middle second round rookie pick, that's a, I mean, you have to destroy that accept button. If someone's going to give you Brandon Cooks for a middle second round rookie pick, you've got to do it. You, um, I mean, we talk about vacated targets. I mean, he goes to a Houston offense that just lost DeAndre Hopkins. It doesn't get any more vacated than that. And I'm not saying he's going to go in and command the DeAndre Hopkins workload especially you know if we can project if we can project a full season of health for will fuller and i know randall cobb's there and david johnson so i'm not i'm not projecting brandon cooks to get what was something like a 30 percent target share like deandre hopkins has commanded but i mean he goes in there and gets a significant share we're talking about what easily a top 20 wide receiver and easily a smash fantasy contributor, and you've destroyed... I mean, who are you drafting in the middle second round, right? Brian Edwards? I'll tell you right now, Brandon Cooks is going to destroy Brian Edwards in fantasy production in 2020. If you if your team has just no outlook for the future, and you don't want to give up that middle second round pick, I mean... I kind of, I see the logic, but I promise you, I mean, you fast forward halfway through the season, Brandon Cooks is likely going to net you more in a trade than Brian Edwards is. Because Brandon Cooks is not only one of the more underrated players, he might be the most underrated wide receiver in the league. We all know how difficult it is for wide receivers generally to change teams and still try to produce in year one. Brandon Cooks had a 1,000-yard receiving season in New Orleans, then gets traded to New England, has a 1,000-yard receiving season, then gets traded to Los Angeles and has a 1,000-yard receiving season. This dude just racks up 1,000-yard receiving. He collects some like, (laughs) like notches carved into his dashboard. Um, And he just goes to a spot where Deshaun Watson force feeds DeAndre Hopkins. Now, I'm not going to say, I'm not saying he's going to force feed Brandon Cooks, but there should be a large chunk of targets going his way. Very little in... I don't, know, I don't know if I want to say proven past production because Will Fuller, Will Fuller has looked very good in the past. Randall Cobb has looked very good in the past. But, I mean, you know, they also... I mean, Randall Cobb hasn't been great lately. He hasn't even been very good lately. Will Fuller, I'm not going to project injury on a player, but we can't ignore the risk that he comes with. And if Will Fuller does go down and Randall Cobb is the player he has been for the last handful of seasons, then Brandon Cook's target share is going to creep up and he's going to obliterate the price that you paid for. My next guy on my list is Todd Gurley, another guy that people just seem to be out on. Um, and this isn't really a, a buy low, I don't think. I think... So. It's not, you know, a clearance going out of business sale for Todd Gurley, but I think if you, I think if you offered to the Gurley owner in your league, you know, you know, early, you know, top end RB two, uh, a top end RB two player or type player, you know, type of value for Todd Gurley, I think that would get the job done. I think a lot of people went out on Todd Gurley. You know, he wasn't great last year. Um, I mean, he was fine for fantasy on the back of some touchdowns. Um, the the running game for Atlanta wasn't great last year. So it kind of seems like an unsexy situation, but there's nobody to compete for touches with them in the backfield. Um, they You know, Atlanta took two offensive linemen in the first round of the 2019 draft. They should only improve. And like I said, that offense should set the world on fire in 2020. And Todd Gurley should be you know, one of the main beneficiaries of that. And he's still only 25 years old. He's not an old running back. Um, he's still in his prime. He's still got plenty of life left, in my opinion. And the opportunity is there for him to go out and smash and I think you can get him at a discounted price, and I think you have to try. Um, brings me to my next guy, and it's you know, the same kind of situation. It's Le'Veon Bell for me. And I would obviously give up a lot less for Le'Veon Bell than I would Todd Gurley. But with Le'Veon Bell, like I said, they drafted an offensive lineman in the first round this year. They drafted Denzel Mims, they signed Rashad Perryman. You know, they should have Chris Herndon healthy. I know some of that doesn't sound great because it sounds like more target competition for Le'Veon Bell. But we kind of need that offense to be better than it was last year. And I think all those guys help. I think, you know, Brashad Perryman and Denzel Mims can open things up a little bit for Le'Veon Bell. They drafted the offensive lineman in the first round. So the offensive lineman, I mean, the offensive line as a whole should be better. And we know he's going to get volume. I mean, Le'Veon Bell. If you can plug Le'Veon Bell into your RB two spot, I don't think you're going to be disappointed very much. So if you can get him at a discounted price and just set it, set it and forget it with him as your RB two, you know, then I mean, you get an upside RB one. Like if I'm in a redraft and I and I take or a startup and I take. Clyde Edwards Hilaire in the first round, I think he's going. I think he's going in the top twelve running backs. And if I'm gonna be the guy that pulls the trigger on a Clyde Edwards Hilaire in the top twelve, I wanna get a guy like Le'Veon Bell a few rounds later just to lock in that volume, lock in what should be a pretty nice floor in my R B two spot. Um, those are like my five so those are my five main guys. Some other guys that I like quite a bit, you know, try to acquire this year is Christian Kirk. You know, I know as soon as DeAndre Hopkins got traded to Arizona, a lot of people pronounced Christian Kirk dead. But, I mean, we are talking about an offense that not only spreads the ball around like crazy, not only should take a massive leap forward, you know, with Cliff Kingsbury's second year as a play caller, with Kyler Murray's second year as a quarterback, you know, they got a great value at offensive line in the second or third round, I think. They got, you know, what a lot of people had graded as a first-round offensive lineman, I think, in the third round. Um, so that whole offense should take a step forward to me. Christian Kirk going into his third year, is still improving. And, you know, with the the pace of play that the Cardinals played with last year and are projected to play with this coming up season, there's going to be plenty of opportunity for Christian Kirk. You know, it's kind of a similar thing. They don't have a tight end of consequence. You know, Kenyon Drake is probably going to catch some passes too, but he's not going to catch passes like Todd Gurley did in 2018 you can kind of compare the Cardinals to 2018 Los Angeles Rams right they've got three wide receivers in Hopkins Fitzgerald and Kirk and a capable pass catching running back the only difference is their quarterback is much better much more accurate he's a much better thrower he can keep drives alive with his legs to me I mean, you, if you have a guy in your league panicking on Christian Kirk, and I'm sure a lot of you do, don't be afraid to go get him. Um, I think you can get him at a discount and he's gonna, he should absolutely return value on investment for him. Um, another guy is Marvin Jones. And it's kind of the same thing. Marvin Jones is likely never going to net you very much in a trade. So if you're acquiring Marvin Jones... It's to basically ride him out. But, you know, Detroit didn't add much in the way of pass catchers this year. Um, Hawkinson should step up a little bit, but it tip- it typically takes tight ends their third year to break out, not the second. I know, you know, George Kittle kind of broke out his second year. Mark Andrews broke out his second year. So, I mean, it likely depends on the guy, but I mean... Marvin Jones was, what, a top 15 or something wide receiver when he got hurt last year. And he was going super late in drafts last year. He's going super late in drafts this year. He's another one of those players that people just want to get out from under because he's getting older and they don't want to be left holding the bag. They want to get something at least for him now, something they can take with them in the future. So if you're any kind of contending team, especially if you're in a league that starts three wide receivers, you can, you can likely acquire Marvin Jones. I don't want to say for wide receiver three price because, I mean, you know, the wide receiver 25 through 36 is generally not very attractive anyways, but you, know, you, you can go about treating him like he would be the wide receiver three for your team, and you can likely get that deal done. And he, I mean, he could easily produce as a top 20 wide receiver. I think it's more likely that he does than he doesn't, um, as long as he stays healthy and plays all of his games. Uh, another guy for me is Curtis Samuel. And honestly, this is more like, like a dual handcuff type of play. First of all, I think Curtis Samuel is a tremendous talent, um, I think you know I think if he would have ended up in Kansas City instead of Tyreek Hill he wouldn't be putting up Tyreek Hill numbers don't get me twisted but I think they would probably utilize him in a very similar way that Kansas City does and I think he's a talented enough talented enough player where he you know in a different universe in a different world he could have been a very useful fantasy asset up to this point in his career But the reason I call him a dual handcuff is because if DJ Moore gets hurt, I think Curtis Samuel is plenty good enough. Um, I mean, he's obviously got the speed, got all kinds of yards after the catch ability. I think he's plenty, plenty good enough to step into DJ Moore's role, you know, to get DJ Moore's volume and be a productive wide receiver with it. And if anything happens to... Christian McCaffrey, if Christian McCaffrey gets hurt and misses time, I think, I'm not saying they move Curtis Samuel to full-time running back. They could, you know, a lot like Ty Montgomery with Green Bay a few years ago. I'm not saying they will, but not only could they, but either way, his targets, him and his volume should likely go up because they're going to need a player like that to replace something if Christian McCaffrey goes, you know, to replace McCaffrey's production if he goes down. So you get him on your team, you stash him on your bench. If anything happens to either Moore or McCaffrey, well, then I think you've got a productive wide receiver, a productive player you can slot into your starting lineup. Um, Another guy for me is Anthony Miller. And it's one of those things, I mean, Chicago, who are they going to throw the ball to? They got Allen Robinson. They got 10 tight ends, but they really have no tight ends. Um, And then who else? I mean, they're going to have to throw the ball, you know, 25, 25, to 35 times a game. Likely Allen Robinson can't get all those targets. Uh, David Montgomery's going to get some Tariq Cohen's going to get some. Yeah. But I mean, they got to have some downfield guys too. And Nick Foles has proven to be a capable quarterback in the past. I don't know if he's going to be the starter over Trubisky. Um, I don't know if it would be better if he was, because we've seen Mitch Trubisky look pretty good, you know, at times too. I, I don't think he's a very good quarterback for the NFL. I don't think anybody really does at this point. But, I mean, either way, you know, and Anthony Miller was a really good prospect coming out. A lot of people liked him. Um, he was dealing with injuries his first year. Still caught, I think, seven touchdowns, I believe. Showed some strong flashes at the end of last year. And I believe Tay- Taylor Gabriel left. And... I mean, there's not much in the way of target competition for Anthony Miller. So, I mean, for those, you know, for that work to be basically consolidated to Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller, you know, in the intermediate to downfield passing work, uh, that's a pretty good opportunity there for Anthony Miller. And my last one is Miles Boykin. And I'm not super hopeful for Miles Boykin, you know. I mean, I do have him on all my Dynasty rosters, uh, so I, I guess I kind of am. <laughs> but uh, he, he's a he's a guy you can acquire for super cheap because he did absolutely nothing pretty much last year, and he had all the opportunity in the world to go out and produce numbers. But you know what? Sometimes wide receivers go out in their first year and they don't fire. And there's a lot of DJ chart comparisons. And I think the situation in Baltimore is similar as far as, you know, I've mentioned Devin DuVernay in past episodes. I think he's a good, you know, later round flyer in your rookie drafts. Um, Like I said, because there's no alpha in this passing game, right? I mean, maybe aside from Mark Andrews. I think Mark Andrews is the only guy we can lock in for any type of volume in this offense. But, I mean, you know, maybe Marquise Brown, I think they would like him to. They spent a first-round pick on him. But, you know, Miles Boykin looks more like an X than Marquise Brown does. Marquise Brown looks more like, you know, the Deshaun Jackson, you know, maybe a gadget type player, you know, however they want to use him. But if my if Miles Boykin puts it together the way DJ Chark did, and they're similar players, similar sizes, similar athleticism, similar careers, after you know, I mean DJ Chark had a you know, pretty quiet rookie year. Miles Wiggins had a pretty quiet, a pretty quiet rookie year. There's opportunity for him to go out and smash, and if he doesn't, then the price, whatever you paid to go get him, is likely small enough. It's really not gonna affect your team anyways. That's gonna bring me to my favorite cells of the off season. Now, there's a couple of guys on this list that I'm not saying are going to be bad for 2020 and you just need to get out while you can. And I say that because my first guy on this list is Michael Thomas. Now this isn't me saying just go out and sell Michael Thomas while you can. But I mean, there's a way to play this for me personally. I had Michael Thomas on my main team, my main league last year, and I sold him. It's a standard league so we don't, you know, we don't get points per receptions. I sold him for Tyreek Hill and a first round rookie pick. Now I ended up trading that, but I mean, I ended up trading uh Michael Thomas for Tyreek Hill and what very likely could have been Jerry Judy or Keyshawn Vaughn or Cam Akers. And especially in a non-PPR league, that is a that is a smash trade. That's a killer trade. Um, Because one, I get Michael Thomas is a new hotness right now, right? He caught 155 or whatever it was passes last year. He's not going to do that again. One, because... Nobody's ever done it. Two, they added Emmanuel Sanders. He's not going to go in there and be the number one or, you know, the one B to Michael Thomas' 1A. I'm not saying that either. But Michael Thomas's volume is going to go down. He's still going to be great. He's still going to be great for fantasy. But, I mean, Devontae Adams is likely going to see more volume. Julio Jones could easily see more volume um Tyreek Hill could outproduce him so if you hold on to Michael Thomas like right now he's got that one next to his name right he's the the undisputed number one dynasty wide receiver you fast forward a year from now he's not gonna be right because nobody hardly ever is except for Antonio Brown and Calvin Johnson and I mean, let's play this game while we're fast forwarded, you know, a year from now. Is Drew Brees going to be the quarterback in 2021 for the Saints? It's not it's kind of not looking likely. So that, that's going to drive Michael Thomas's value down because now there's uncertainty at the question. There's a question mark. There's uncertainty at the quarterback position. Now, if you can't get the right offer for Michael Thomas, if you can't. You know, For me, like I said, in a non-PPR league, the offer of Tyreek Hill and the ninth overall rookie pick was a slam dunk. Now, I know a lot of people are split on it. I've had people tell me that it was a terrible trade. People tell me that it was a great trade. And it's been pretty split down the middle, so to me, that tells me that it's a pretty even trade. But to me, I felt like I smashed it. Um... But like I said, if you can't, if you don't, if you can't get a deal done that you feel really good about, then don't do it. Just obviously roll with Michael Thomas. You can't go wrong with it. Um, but it's just me when I when I have a player on my team, especially if he's not a running back that has the number one next to his name after a season. He's usually going to be a sell for me because. I mean, he's not going to be the number one likely next year, which means you're not going to be able to get, you know, you're not going to be able to get as much for him next year as you could right now. Um, Number two for me is Derrick Henry. And it's not super urgent for me that I would want to get Derrick Henry off my team, but it's definitely more urgent than Michael Thomas. Because one, I mean, there's no way that offense can be as efficient this coming up season as they were at the end of last year, right? We've seen Ryan Tannehill plenty of times, right? He's not hes not this good. He might not be as bad as he's looked, but he, I don't think he's this good, right? And Derrick Henry doesn't catch passes. I think he had 18 receptions last year. That's not going to get it done unless you're scoring an absurd amount of touchdowns, which he did last year but given the fact that they lost one of their best offensive linemen, I mean, that's a big deal. Losing one offensive lineman, especially when he's maybe your best one, is a huge deal. And, I mean, to me, Derrick Henry is locked and loaded to score less points than he did a year ago. And so, if you're going to sell him, now would be the time to do it, not a year from now, after he had a worse season i mean don't don't forget he i mean you know in some leagues he was the number two running back, you know especially in non p p r leagues he was the number two running back on the season, but that's only because Dalvin cook ended up getting hurt so I mean, that's just, that's, you know, a little bit extra boost to his value that you're not going to get a year from now. So if you can trade him for, you know, another stud running back, you know, plus, that's the move. Trade him for, you know, if you could trade him for Jonathan Taylor, you know, plus, you know, a high floor wide receiver. I think that would be a great play because you're going to get a floor with Jonathan Taylor. You're going to get a ceiling with Jonathan Taylor. And plus you're going to get hopefully another contributor at another position. Now that's just off the top of my head. You know, maybe that's not the best, um, the best, you know, player, but like I said, it was just off the top of my head. Um, you're going to bring me my next one. And I hate this oh, I hate this because he's my favorite player in the NFL. I was so excited to draft him in my main league, you know, the rookie draft when I did, especially because at the time, Tom Brady was my only quarterback. And for me, it's Lamar Jackson. And the reason I have Lamar Jackson there is because the dude led the league in passing touchdowns last year. He led the league in quarterback rating last year he broke the NFL single season record for rushing yards in a single season or yeah in a single season he's not going to run for 1200 yards again maybe he will at some point in his career but i doubt it's going to be last year and this year he's not going to lead the league in touchdowns this year he's not going to be the most efficient quarterback in the league this coming up season and to me i think it's pretty likely that kyler murray Finishes better than him. Um, you know, I don't I don't know that Dak Prescott does, but I could see it. I could see Tom Brady doing it. I mean, I know he doesn't have the rushing upside, and I know I'm higher than consensus on Tom Brady. And don't get me wrong, I wouldn't trade Lamar Jackson for Tom Brady in Dynasty. Um, like I said, normally age isn't that much of a factor for me, but when we're talking about, you know, like twenty years, if a player's twenty years younger then yeah it definitely it definitely comes to the front of my mind but he's a sell for me if you can make a deal like if you can get kyler murray plus because i mean i have kyler murray ranked ahead of lamar jackson for 2020 so if you can make that deal if you can get you know cuz i mean those are the type of trades that win you leagues when you in theory when you on paper are breaking a player down but you end up getting the best player out of the deal anyways you know if you could trade i don't know if, i mean this is a very specific option but if you could trade lamar jackson for kyler murray and brandon cooks i mean that's that's a smash dude you're getting what could very easily be easily be the most productive player in in that transaction in kyler murray plus you're going to get a contributor at the wide receiver position i think the path to like i've outlined it earlier the path to cooks being a top 20 wide receiver is pretty clear and those are the kind of trades that can win you leagues not saying brandon cooks is a league winner not saying kyler murray is a league winner but when you are upgrading two positions Off of one guy. I mean, like I said, call me crazy. I know it's, you know, it's tough to project stuff like this, but I mean, just look at the supporting cast, right? And look at the negative regression that Lamar Jackson is bound to face versus the positive that Kyler Murray is bound to face. This isn't a far leap. And Kyler Murray just added. DeAndre freaking Hopkins to his arsenal. So like I said, to me, it's, I mean, like I, if I can find, you know, somewhere to put money down on Kyler Murray, having more fantasy points than Lamar Jackson in 2020, I'm doing it because I think it's pretty likely. Um, Like I said, this isn't me saying get, you know, just get what you can for Lamar Jackson and get out. It's a very specific type of sell. Like most of these guys are, honestly, for me. Um, It's going to bring me to my next guy. It's Austin Eckler. He's being drafted as a top 10 running back. And I know, you know, everybody loves him because he was so valuable last year. The only reason he was so valuable last year is because he went so late and he ended up smashing. And I, he was so efficient, and his efficiency numbers—one would be hard enough to replicate in any given year. But two, now he's got a rookie. He's either got a rookie quarterback under center, or you know, a, a mobile quarterback under center that's probably a little bit less likely to dump the ball off to him. Either way, I don't think the offense projects to be as good. I mean, there's going to be, I mean, there's some natural, some natural regression, you know, as far as the big plays and stuff that Austin Eckler saw last year. There's some natural, natural negative regression coming his way, anyways. And like I said, he's being drafted as a top 10 receiver or top 10 running back. If you can get top 10 running back value plus for him, then you've got to do it. I'm not saying trade him for a wide receiver. I'm a firm believer, basically, in. If you're going to trade a running back away in Dynasty, you've got to get, even if it seems just like a nobody, you've got to get a running back in return. Um, But I just don't see the path to Austin Eckler. You know, we just had an influx of really good, some really good rookie running backs with some high upside. I don't see the path to Austin Eckler being a top 10 running back in Fantasy this year. And if he's being drafted as one, well, then it's a no-brainer. You've got to get that value and just, you know, you've got to upgrade your roster, get the player that's being valued more than he's worth off your team. You know, like I said, you got to get full value. But, I mean, if you could, I don't know that you could get this, but if you could get girly Plus, For Austin Eckler, that's a slam dunk. (laughs) A slam dunk for me. I mean, Gurley could easily finish with more points than Austin Eckler. Plus, you got a contributor elsewhere. You know, maybe it's not Todd Gurley specifically, but a trade like that is kind of what I'm looking at. And the last guy on my sell list is, I mean, it kind of hurts me because in my opinion, he's the best wide receiver in the world. It's DeAndre Hopkins. Some of the catches that dude makes are so ridiculous. Um, you know, he might not be the fastest or, you know, the best route runner in the league, but as far as his ball skills, his body control, I mean, his route running, all that, he's so good. And just the plays he's making, he makes the balls that he is able to pluck out of the air sometimes are so ridiculous. I never see other wide receivers making plays like that. I mean, I'll see it every now and then, but I don't see it on a regular basis like I do with Hopkins. Um, but having said all that, and I know I was raving about the Cardinals offense earlier, and this isn't me saying Hopkins is going to be bad in 2020. This is me saying that I think he's the number two. He's being drafted as number two Dynasty wide receiver right now. Two or three. Maybe he's behind Devontae Adams. Maybe he's even behind Tyree Kill. I doubt it, but let's just say, you know, let's just say, you know, for the sake of argument, he's being drafted as the fourth wide receiver in Dynasty. He's not finishing as the number four wide receiver this year. Um, I mean, you look at... Like I just laid the case out for Julio Jones. I mean, Devontae Adams has no target competition. Michael Thomas is likely still going to be up there. Um, Tyreek Hill could easily, you know, just bust out a bunch of big games and get up there. And then... I mean, Kenny Galladay is going into, I believe, his third year. Like I said, with not much target competition there outside of Marvin Jones. And like I said, I laid out the case earlier for wide receivers changing teams, generally not doing as well. We saw it with Odell Beckham Jr. last year. Um, I believe we'll see it with Stephon Diggs this year. But like, like part of it is the fact that. He's not, there was no, so I, like, okay, so I had Brandon Cooks as a bye, right? Even though he's changing teams. Well, that's because there's a massive void in that passing offense that Brandon Cooks is filling. There is no void that DeAndre Hopkins is filling in that offense. They're just jamming him in. There's just another player being jammed in and I fully expect him to be the number one wide receiver on that team, but he's not going to be force-fed like he was in Houston. And that's been, that's been the thing that's made DeAndre Hopkins so valuable is he's been so efficient in the face of such huge volume. He's still going to be efficient. He's still going to be probably the most talented wide receiver in the league. But he's just not going to get quite the same volume. So I know everybody's super excited you know, to see him in the fast-paced Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury-led offense, right? And like to me, that creates a sell window. Like I said, if you can get one of those other guys, if you can get Devonte Adams plus if you can get Tyreek Hill plus that's the trade you got to make because to me it's likely that those guys outproduced DeAndre Hopkins in 2020 plus you got a contributor elsewhere and like I said these sales for me I didn't want to just say like I could have came out here or came on these airwaves and kind of gave the cliche you know, the run-of-the-mill cell window, or cell players. But to me, I mean, I don't, lazy is not the right word, because, I mean, I think a lot of the process is right, but I wanted to come at it from a different angle. Like, you can get a haul for these players, and a lot of times, you can likely parlay them into a player at the same position That could very easily score more points than them. Plus a contributor elsewhere. Those are the type of trades I'm suggesting with these cells. That's why I have these particular guys. I think they will all be fine for fantasy next year. I'm not saying you got to just get whatever you can for them right now and hit the road. But, like I said, you got to do some shopping. I'm not saying trade them for a huge pile of junk either like i said but if you can get you know like i said if i'm the if i'm the deandre hopkins owner and i can get devontae adams plus something of value if i can get tyreek hill plus something of value i'm pushing that button if i can get tyreek hill and christian kirk on the same offense i don't know i mean it would depend on the player i guess but I would do that. I would do that in a heartbeat because I just laid out you know, my point for Christian Kirk being a producer this coming up season, and I think it's probably more likely that Tyreek Hill outscores DeAndre Hopkins in fantasy in 2020. So now you've just given your team a major leg up in trying to win a championship this upcoming season. That's going to do it for me. Like I said, if you've got any questions, comments, Hit me up on Twitter. That's at Dino Underground, D-Y-N-O Underground. You know, just let me know. Um, Until next time, this has been the Dynasty Underground. I've been your host, Derek Womack. And as always, I really appreciate it. And thanks for listening.